Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Lead the change is our theme for 2020. And we really believe this is something that God has uh, called us to do, to lead the change in our culture, our community, in our society, and to lead it in, in the right way. And, uh, you know, for anybody that's here that doesn't, you know, uh, feel like a leader, you don't feel like it's something that you're supposed to be doing, I just want to communicate a couple of things that I think is really important. You do not need to have a title. You do not need to have a position. You do not need to sit in an org chart. You do not need a business card with your name on it, with a little title down the bottom that makes you feel great. You do not need to sit in the corner office. You don't need any of that to be a great leader because leadership is about influence. And what you need to understand is that every single person in this room has influence. In fact, I'll tell you, that God has given you a sphere of influence. And so maybe for you, you say, well, I don't see myself as much of a, of a leader. I just have a few friends that are around me. One of the things that we know about leadership and influence is that it doesn't just stop with the immediate people around you. But influence actually moves through your friends, friends, friends. And so what you don't realize is that you are having a bigger impact on the earth than you think. And I just think that we need to be aware of that, that we as people that are uh, here, look, if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, you're just totally off the hook. By the way, you still exert influence, but um, I'm talking to Christian people here today and saying that, you know what we're really supposed to be doing is leading the right change in our culture and communities. And I believe that that is the mandate to the church. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I mean, I'm I'm talking about people because we are God's church. Together, we are God's people. And how many of you would understand that God is not finished on the earth yet? You know, like it's not like His work finished when Jesus died on the cross and that was not meant to be some part of our history that's locked away. God is moving on the earth today. He still wants to move in people's lives. He wants to move in your life. And so when I think about what God wants to accomplish on the earth, to be honest, I think that that is a huge challenge for us. But one of the things that I've learned about God is that He has no problem throwing down a great challenge to those that decide to follow Him. And so tonight what I want to do is preach a message to you guys called New Ground. Man, God has always challenged those who believe in Him. You know, it's not enough that you just believe in God. But He wants to challenge those that already do. Like there's plenty of people that believe in God. Jeez, even the devil believes in God. Can I tell you that there's a really big difference between believing that God exists and making a decision to trust Him with your life? I mean, to actually follow Him to limit the choices that you make in life because you've made a decision to follow Him? Do you trust Him with your family? Do you trust Him with your finances? Do you trust God with your future? Do you trust Him to that level that you'll allow Him to guide and direct your life? I mean, you know what I'm really talking about here is faith. And one of the things I've understood to be true about God is He always wants to stretch your faith. He always wants to grow you. He loves you, which is why He doesn't want to leave you the way that you are. 
How many of you would understand that if you want to start to grow in life, that you've got to get out of your comfort zone? The God that we serve takes great delight in constantly shifting you out of your comfort zone. He's okay with you getting a little bit uncomfortable so that you can grow and become the person that God has created you to be. Now, if you've ever felt like God has done that to you, oh, you are not alone. I like to look through the Bible and see the many, many times that God has done this through time and history. You think about Abraham. Abraham was living in a land called Ur. And I'll tell you, he, life was good. He wasn't struggling. He, he wasn't having issues. It wasn't like he needed to get out of there for any particular reason. By all accounts, Abram was blessed. He had everything going for him. And God comes to him one day and he says, Hey, I want you to leave the land that you're in and go to a place that I will show you. I, I think it takes great place to leave your place of comfort and to go to some future that you don't even know where it is when you're leaving. He didn't even know where it was when he started walking. God, how do I know I'm going the right way? Just trust me, I can get you there. Just listen to the sound of my voice and I'll, I'll lead you and I'll, I'll take you there. Abram was challenged to leave a place of comfort so that God could grow him. And I guess Abram knew that what God had for him in his future was going to be so much better than his present. So he didn't just look around him and say, I'm going to stay right where I am. He said, okay, I'll trust you, God. I'm going to be a, a person that's full of faith and I'm going to step out in that faith and I'm going to uh, walk the life that you've called me to do. You know, God does this so many times. Think about Jesus' disciples. You know, Jesus died on the cross and uh, after He died on the cross, He resurrected and He spent some time with His disciples before He left. And one of the things that He said to His disciples was that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And then He asterisks this last thing, like He said, and to the ends of the earth. Well, how far is that? As far as I want it to be. You know, like as far as I'm, as I'm gonna send you, as far as you're willing to go. Now think about those locations that Jesus gave to His disciples. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's like concentric circles that begin on the inside and work their way out. And I wonder if Jesus ever felt like, uh, you know, or, or the disciples, if they ever felt like saying back to their Saviour, oh, hang on a minute, like, can't we just do this from here? Like the people of Jerusalem, they're really important too. I don't know if they're all saved. Like, do we really have to leave the place of comfort that we know to go into territory and land Judea? We don't know Judea very well. Samaria, we hate going there. We, we, we don't want to go to Samaria. Is there any way that we could possibly avoid this? Is there any way that we could get around this? We're not interested in moving out of our comfort zone. We like Jerusalem. We know where the best coffee joints are. We know where they sell great sandwiches. Why would we leave what we know to go to a place that we don't know? Can I tell you that God makes it a habit of constantly calling people out of what they know to go to a place that they don't. And to bridge that gap, what you need is great faith. And God is always interested in building and growing your faith. For Abraham to leave where he was and go to the land that God was going to show him, that, that was new ground, that was new territory that God was going to give Abraham. When he spoke to the disciples and he said, hey, leave Jerusalem, your place of peace and comfort and what you know, and go to these other cities that you don't know as well, they were taking new ground for the kingdom. 
I'm telling you right now that God is interested in taking new ground for His kingdom all the time. He wants to reclaim things that are out there for Him and for His purposes. And I know that it would be so much easier for a lot of these guys to just play it safe. You know what I mean? Like play it safe. But how many of you know that if you just play it safe, you lose the game? Because if we're going to be the people of God, there are times when He challenges us to get out of our comfort zone. And I, I tell you right now, the, the kind of thing that we're doing right now, the game that we're playing is a game that we can't afford to lose because in the balance of that is people's lives. Think about Jesus. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I, I realize that the Bible doesn't tell us much about Jesus's life before he was in heaven. We don't know what he was surrounded by, but I'm going to say it was pretty cushy. You know, come on. He created heaven. And if you're new to church, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'll tell you that Jesus existed before he came to earth. He was the pre-existent God and he left heaven and came to earth. How many of you know that he was leaving an incredible place to come to this dusty place down here called earth? And you know, when he got here, it was no better roses. You know, it was a lot easier for him in heaven. But, but you know, there was something that was burning in his heart. And the thing that burnt in his heart is that he knew that in order to establish his kingdom on earth, it would require him to leave a place of comfort and what he knew and come to this place and live a life of sacrifice so that God could establish his kingdom. Do you see that God just does this over and over and over again? In establishing His kingdom and taking new ground, He pushes people out of their comfort zones, into their growth zones to, to stretch their faith so that they can do new things for Him. And I remember doing this. I, many years ago, I went on a missions trip to the Philippines. And the city that we were sent to was a, or the, or the region that we were sent to was a, a village that people had been trying to reach for years and years. And they had led different meetings there and tried to preach the gospel and people had never come out. They'd never really seen any salvations take place in the village. And so thank God we were so ignorant of that fact. We just expected everything to happen. How many of you know that Jesus says we need faith like a child, you know? So we just expected that God was going to save the entire village. And we got there and we said, hey, well, what do, what do we do next? And they said, well, what you need to do is you need to walk around to all the villages and introduce yourself and say hello and, and meet them and invite them back to the meeting. We said, okay. So we walked around, we met people, shook their hands. Hey, there's a meeting on tonight. We would love you to come. And to be honest, I looked so disinterested in it. And we got back to the village where we were going to have this meeting and we had some time to kill. We didn't really know what we were going to do while we waited for people to come, but they had a basketball ring and we were like, come on, let's kill some time. Let's play basketball. Now, one of the things that we didn't really know is that basketball is like the national sport of the Philippines. The Filipino people, they love basketball. We, we would drive down the streets of Manila and they had roundabouts there. And they set up basketball rings in roundabouts. So you drive down and you're, you're driving around people playing a game. You know, traffic just goes around and there's so many cars in Manila, but they're all circling. And I don't even know, it's dangerous just to get to the basketball court. You know, people are dodging traffic to get there. They're just playing in the middle because they love the sport. Well, we didn't know that, but we started playing and, and, uh, and suddenly all these people started watching that we were playing basketball and we didn't realize that what we were doing is finding some common ground. 
they weren't sure what we believe, what they believed about Jesus. But one of the things that they definitely loved was basketball. And they came out and they began to play. And so we decided that we were going to have a game and we split up the teams. And we didn't want the missionaries to be on one team and, uh, you know, the, all the Filipino people to be on another. So we split up the teams so that there was a, a great mix of people. I tell you, that's the best I've ever felt playing basketball. These were just little people, you know, <laughs> little Filipino. I've never felt so big in all my life, you know. I can tell you the truth. I, I, I dominated that day and I felt terrific about it. No guilt about that. And, and, and we had such a great time. We just loved it and they loved it too. And, and then we, we finished playing basketball. We're like, well, I guess we should do this meeting now. And, and so, you know, someone had to get up and preach. So you know who it was? Not me, my wife, Sarah, she got up, she preached and led hundreds of people to Jesus in that night. Hundreds of people that came to Jesus. Man, I tell you, that was so worth it. It was so worth it to do that, but it didn't come free. See, for us to do that, it costed our, it cost our time. Like we used our you know, annual leave to go on that missions trip, took two weeks to do what we do. And we used half our annual leave on going there and it costs money to go there as well. So we had to save up and spend all of our money to get there. And, and, and then we had to just make out our talents or what talents we had available to the people. We'll do anything. We're here to serve you. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it cost us our time and our talent and our treasure. But I'll tell you the truth. It was absolutely worth it. It was worth it because there were people that were transferred from death to life. Man, I remember when I rededicated my life to Jesus. I remember giving my life to Jesus as an adult and having an encounter with God over what that meant. You know, at this time in my life, I didn't really have that much going on. I think I worked at a liquor store. I went to the gym and yeah, that's everything. <laughs> my whole life just summarized it. That's all I did. And, and so I... I that's, that's all I cared about. And, and here I am and um, I'm come home from church and I'm praying to God about having this encounter. It struck me that a lot of the people that I was friends with, that they didn't know him. And it moved me. I didn't expect this. I had an encounter with God over this and I don't mind saying that it, I got emotional about it. I started thinking about all the people that needed to know Jesus and, and and the fact that I knew him, but they didn't. And, and for me, there was something about that that just stirred me. I, I realized that I had a job to do, that I had a mission in life, that there was a purpose. To be honest, I've never changed. This part of me, it's, it's never left. I feel just as passionate today as I did that day in my room when I was praying to God and praying for people that, that didn't know Jesus. That's become the mission of my life. You know, I... I I just want to reach people that are far from God and let them know who He really is and how much He loves them. And the fact that He would be willing to forgive them for all of the wrong things that they've ever done if they would just call upon His name. I don't think they know Him, but if they did, I'm sure they would love Him. And they, it's my great privilege to tell people how much God loves them. And so for me, I've given my life to this and it's not just me now. I mean, I think about the mission for our church. Do you know that we have a mission? Here at Bright Church, our mission is to see people saved, free, equipped, and sent in Jesus' name. That's the cycle of every believer. And, and, and there's, a, there's a time when eventually you're sent out into the world and the community to lead the change. And 
And for me, I, I, we had that mission for a while, but it just didn't evoke enough emotion. I was like, ah, it sounds kind of clinical. So this is the way that we like to say it. We will do anything short of sin to see people saved, free, equipped, and sent in Jesus' name because we are passionate about that cause. And, and so this, this stuff, I tell you, this, this matters to me. This matters to our church. I remember growing up and I didn't have much vision for my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my future, but I remember having really small dreams. Like growing up and especially in my teenage years, I remember the small dream of wanting to be a millionaire. I had, by the way, no actual plan for this. Just one day to be rich would be good. And the plan to be a millionaire, wouldn't that be great? And, and, and then there was maybe the plan to own multiple properties. It's just a small dream. There, there was the plan to have a big house, like a really big house that was nice and filled with all the stuff that I love, a, a small dream. I, I had a small dream about owning, owning an Aston Martin. Any of them will do. To be honest, that dream has never left me. Now, you know, if something's in your heart and it never leaves, it's God. Okay, so, man, that could still happen. I don't know. I hope so in Jesus' name. But, but then I gave my life to Jesus. And I realized that all the stuff that I wanted in life was just small dreams. It was small stuff. And I, I prayed to God and I said, God, if you ever gave me the chance to lead a church, I would make sure that I did everything to see as many people as we could come to know Jesus. I would give my life to that cause. And, and I feel like at the end of my life, if I give it to this cause, I will not have regret. I will not look back and, and say, I wish I had spent my time doing something else. I want you to ask yourself a question, like just consider this for a moment. A hundred years from now, where will you be? Yep. A hundred years from now, not one person in this room will be left on the earth. And don't you think about that and start to think, well, if that's true a hundred years from now when I'm going to spend eternity with my Father in heaven, then don't you want to take every single opportunity that you have on earth and spend it trying to do everything that God has asked you to do? Like, I don't know about you, but, but I think about, you know, when I get to heaven one day and, and I'm, I'm there with God, I want to be able to look back on my life and say, I spent all my time doing everything that I could to extend the kingdom of God. You know, that would feel so good, right? It's not enough for me. Because what I would like is not just to say that, that I spent my life doing something to advance the kingdom of God, but I, I think it would be so much better if in my life I built something that continued to redeem people and their lives and extend the kingdom of God well after I'm in heaven. Like leave something for the generations that are coming well after me. I can't be the pastor of this church forever. Time won't allow it unless Jesus comes back. Time won't allow it. It's going to be passed on to someone else and, and they're going to run their race in their time. But isn't it up to us to do everything we can to run our race in our own time? I don't know about you, but the, for me, I want to build something that out, outlasts me. 
That's what Bright Church is all about. Building something in our time that outlasts us and can go on to do significant things in the future. See, we don't want to watch the world. We need to lead the change. You you get that? I hope you do because it's week four. (laughs) I mean, I've said it differently in other weeks, but that is it. We're not here to watch the world, to just passively watch it turn and watch life go by and live out small dreams. No, we've been called and gifted and graced by God to lead the, the change in our culture, in our community, in our societies, in our sporting clubs. I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Matthew 7 verse 14. It says, The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it, if you, does that stir you? Like, do you read this scripture and does it move you? That the gate is narrow and the way is hard, but that way leads to life and The sticking point is that those who find it, they're few. I mean, think about it this way. Let me say it another way. The gate is wide. It's like a boom gate. It's huge. And easy is the way that leads to death. And those who find it are many. Those who find it are most. Does that, does that move you? I, I don't know about you, but I have a really big problem with this verse. Like, I don't, I don't like that that's even in there. For me, I, I guess if the gate was narrow, I would at least put a sign out the front just so that you don't miss it. And not like, like a sandwich board. It's not like a cafe. I mean, I would put like a sign, like a big sign. I, I would put out a huge sign that wasn't just at ground level, but it would have to be big. It would have to be high. And I would want to make sure that everyone would be able to see it. And then just so they don't miss it, I would give it to our production team. And you know that they would cover it in LED strip lighting, which I would love. And no one would miss it. And and I would make sure that everyone could see it. But but even if I did that and the sign was big and it was, everyone could see it to to know that it was there, that wouldn't be enough for me because, because it's possible that People are walking with their heads down. I don't know. So apparently there is a narrow way and there is a wide way. So I would... I would want to leave the way that was narrow and go to the place where it was wide and stand amongst the people that are taking the easy road to death. And I would want to stand there and say, hey, there's another way. And I would, I would point to it and I would, I would tell people, before you keep going the way that you're going, you need to turn your life around and you need to head in another direction. 
The gate is narrow and it's a little bit harder, but that is the way that leads to life. And I know that you're on easy street right now, but there is no future for you in the way that you're going. I, I would do that, but that wouldn't be enough for me. You know what I would do? I, I, I would start to grab other people that I could find. I'd say, hey, why don't you come with me? Come on, let's stand among the people that are on their way down easy street to death and, and stand with me. And, and we should tell them as many people as we can that there is a narrow way, but it leads to life. I would get as many people as I could to help me do that message. That's what this series is all about. That's what Bright Church is all about. Gathering as many people as we can so that we can continue to point the way to life so that people don't walk down easy street to death. Man, I've had some late nights this week. I've had some late nights. I've had some early mornings. That's a bad combo. You know, and do and, and you ever set your alarm at, at night and you really expect so much of yourself in the morning? Like you saying, yeah, I can get up at that time. And then your alarm goes off and then you start to negotiate with what you really have to do that morning. Like, I'm not the only one that does this. And I, I, I started to get into the habit of hitting that snooze button, but it, it took me through a process. So I, I would do things like this. I would say, hey, yeah, I could get up now, but uh, I could cut that shower time in half. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be easy, but I could, I could do that. I could cut the shower time in half and I could sleep more and, and, then, and then I could get up and then the alarm goes off again. And I'm like, oh, well, Maybe I, could, uh, maybe I could skip that coffee before I leave home this morning. I don't really need that coffee. I can get a coffee when I, I get to work. I don't, I don't need to wait for that. I, I could snooze through that too and hit the alarm and then it goes off again. And then you start to really, now you're reaching. So you're like, man, do we really need a shower every day? Like, like c- come on, am, am I going to have a meeting with anyone else today? Will anyone be within a three feet? proximity around me what does it is it required today I don't know maybe I can just sleep another 15 minutes and get through this you kind of get into the habit of negotiating with yourself and sleeping through stuff you know I want to tell you it's so important church that we don't hit the snooze button through the most important mission on earth and keep negotiating our time away one day I'll get serious one day I'll give my life to this cause One day I will get the courage and the faith to share what I believe is true about God. And the whole time, all we're really doing is just hitting the snooze button. That's not the life that God has for us. That's comfort zone living. You know, if you want to get into the growth zone, you're going to have to get out of bed in the morning. I know it's comfortable in bed, but you're never going to grow from that place. You need to stop hitting the snooze button and wake up church and say, come on, this is our time. This is our time to lead change in the world today. And we're not waiting for someone else to come. This is what we're called, gifted and graced to do. We don't want to be people that sleep through important things. We want to be God honoring risk takers that understand the game that we're playing and realize that if we play it safe, we're going to lose the game. And I tell you again, this is a game we can't afford to lose. See, what you need to know is that God is so committed to everything I'm talking about that He's made the greatest sacrifice of all. 
Because what God did is He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. He sent Jesus to come and pay the penalty for our sins. Now, if you're near to church and you don't understand what the gospel is all about, here's how this works. God loves you. You've done nothing to earn it. He just loves you. And you can't do anything to earn His favour. But if, if you realise and recognise within yourself that you're not perfect, and come on, let's be honest, everyone knows that. You've made mistakes in life. But if you go to God and say, I realise that I have a problem making mistakes. The Bible just calls those mistakes sin. And there's a penalty attached to that sin. It's called death. Now, here's the thing. Jesus has already died the death for you. So if you by faith believe that what Jesus did on the cross applies to you, then you will go on into eternal life. That's why we call it good news. Because He's done it all. All you have to do is just learn to walk in it. So what did Jesus do? Well, He, he, he did that and He gave His life and then He, he gave the Great Commission. And what was the Great Commission? To go out and preach the good news to all creation. Baptize nations in the name of the Father and of the, uh, of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then He didn't leave the earth even after giving the Great Commission. You read the book of Acts, there was more to come. What did He say? He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after He said those words, He ascended to His Father in heaven. Now that makes those words Jesus' last words. Now I think that Jesus is pretty smart. I think that Jesus was saving His most important words for last. You know, when somebody is whispering their dying words, those words are the most important words that they have. See, what we need to do is make Jesus' last words our first priority. That's the call to the church, to make his last words, our first priority. I love what Alan Hirsch says about this. He says, it's not so much that the church has a mission, but that the mission of God has a church. Did you get that? It's not so much that the church has a mission. It's that the mission of God has a church. What I'm saying is we are the mission to reach the world around us to take ground and extend the kingdom of God. Now I'll tell you, God will continue to build this church. He will continue to grow and extend Bright Church. He's going to continue to add to this church people and people that don't know Him. Do this for a minute. Just close your eyes for one minute. Just think about this. I want you to think about your your, your friends, your family, the people that you have in your life that you want to know Jesus. You got them in, in, in your mind? Open your eyes. This is what I believe we've been sent here to do, to reach those people you were thinking of. Man, I don't know if this stirs your heart at all or if you're passionate about this idea of reaching people that are far from God or those that you love. Does this do something in, in, in the depths of your soul? Is this something that you're excited about? Is this something that you're passionate about? Because I believe this is what God is passionate about. And if we're going to be followers of Him, that we should be passionate about the things that He cares about. I tell you the truth. God is going to add to this church people. And I believe in Jesus' name, day by day, those that will be saved. He's going to keep adding to this church. I love that. I'm so excited about it. He will add to our church resource. He'll add to our church future opportunities. Is this good? Is this good?
man, I'm excited. But, um, but there's, a little, there's a little problem attached with the things that I just said. It's pretty simple. It's that as God does everything that we just believe he will do, that this building will just be too small for this church. Like this space is going to be far too small for what God wants to do through this church. Listen, we don't have the seating capacity for the people that God will reach through this church. We don't have the room for it. I, I like to think about church as a family. So for me, I, you know, when I first got married, Sarah and I, we moved into this tiny little apartment, this tiny little place on Elm Street. That should have been our first warning. <laughs> and, and we had nothing. Like, we, honestly, we had nothing. When Sarah and I got married and moved into this house, we had a cardboard box, which is what we used as a table, and we sat our 34 centimeter. Some of you just have never heard what I just said. Not inch, centimeter. A 34 centimeter TV on a cardboard box. And we had no couches. So we got deck chairs from Bunnings and we sat in our room. We were happy. And then that's really all that we had. We didn't have much. And then we had a little more resource. And how many of you know that the more resource you have, the more opportunities that you have? Because now you've got something, that you, you know, that you can take advantage of opportunities with. So we, we, we bought a house and it was a, it was a, really, it was a really small house. And, but it was ours and, and, and we bought it. And then we decided that we were going to have a family. So we had Judah and man, he was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just loved him. And, uh, and he was... Uh, he was so great. And, and so after having Judah in a little while, we said, hey, you know what? Let's, let's have another child. And we, we had Isaac and he was so good. And, and we, you know, it was, it was a little bit tight, but we, we could, you know, we could squeeze Isaac in. We, we could just make the room work. And, and then we had another child and we had Eliana. And, and, and then when we had Eliana, I was like, man, things are really starting to get tight around here. And how, how awkward would it be if I was to then look to Judah and say, man, this is so awkward, Judah. But no, no, really, it's been good being your father. But uh, you now we just have this new child and we're going to need to make room. So you, look, you're going to have to leave. Man, that would, wouldn't that be weird? It's like, what kind of crazy father would do that? No, no, no father would do that. In fact, to be honest, it wouldn't matter how many children we had, we would just keep making room for them because we love them, right? Well, I think the church is like a family too. And as God continues to add, if we love the kids that we've got and God keeps adding more to our family, how many of you know that we're just going to outgrow this thing? And five, five years from now, just think about that. Five years from now, what are we going to do? We're at three services right now. We have 400 people on average in attendance, 600 to 700 people that call this church their home church. Five years from now, what are we going to do? Well, don't worry because we have a plan. 
We, in fact, we have a, a very simple plan, a, a great plan for what we're going to do. We're going to buy your building and have a permanent location in this, in this area that's around us. Man, that is new ground. That is new ground. And we're super excited about that. Because I believe that this world, it needs bright church. You know, 12 months ago, I changed the name of this church to Bright Church because I had a conviction over who we were supposed to be as a people. In fact, I want to read the scripture to you. It comes out of Matthew chapter 5. 12 months ago on this Sunday, I read the scripture out. I'm going to read it again. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So you got to be who you are. Man, you have a purpose. You got to live out that purpose. Verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be a sign that continues to point the way to the narrow path. We are supposed to be obvious. We are not supposed to blend in. We're supposed to stand in the way so that we can continue to point people to Jesus. And I tell you that the biggest altar calls the best days, the best community ministry. All of that is in our future. All of it. We are not a church that says, why were the former days greater than these? Because we know that they're not. We know that the best days are all ahead of us. We know that the best days and the most fruitful ministry is all ahead of us. And I can't wait for the day when we see the place filled with people on their knees, worshiping a God that they just met. We cannot buy this building. We can't. We don't own this. I look around. I praise God. This is amazing what we've done with this building, but we cannot buy it. And I tell you the truth, we cannot add legally one square foot of space to this building. We cannot add one square foot of space. So our plan is so simple. We're going to buy a building and have a permanent location in this immediate area and we're going to do everything that we can to reach people that are far from Jesus. And so for six months, come on, that's exciting. So here's the thing. For six months, we've been meeting with different people that would become great mentors in this space for us. How do we even go about doing this? Because, man, we've never done anything like this before. That's new ground. That's new territory. And I refuse to stay comfortable if it means that people don't have room to worship Jesus. So, so we know that we can't stay here. We know we have to move out. We're going to get in front of it. And so I said, well, what do we need to do? They said, well, the council is looking for not to just build big church buildings that are empty six days a week. What they really want is, is uh, something that will add value to the community. It's got to be a multi-purposed space. And I was thinking, this is so perfect because I see a lot of alignment and crossover with what they want and what we can do. 
And we realized that the space that we want to build, that we can, we can put extra businesses in there. We can make this place. Well, you know what? It, it can be a conference center that the church rents all year round, whatever it needs to be. We can, we can find a way to make this work. And I, I really believe that God is in this. So, so we have a plan and, and I'm going to ask the team to begin to hand out just some, like a little brochure so that you can see what we have in, in our hearts and in our minds. But if you look on screen, I, I want to show you what we have in, in, in our hearts. So this is what we think it could look like. Yes, it is exciting. And, uh, and our plan would really to be to, to build a 500 seat auditorium. And, and, and the thing is, is that we understand that you got to understand this is just a concept drawing. It's, it's, I'm not guaranteeing it looks like this because we haven't bought it yet. <laughs> but if the building is square, this is what it could look like. <laughs> There's a fair chance it's going to be square. So we have a 500 seat auditorium. Uh, we have a, a, a youth area for all of our youth that <laughs> could seat. Yes, that would seat 250 people. We're going to put in a basketball court because I love basketball. Um, and it's a good indoor sport. And we're going to have uh, uh, kids zones. We thought, wouldn't it be really cool if the kids spaces actually connected to a huge indoor playground? So our, our, this doesn't bother you now, but in about 10 years, it's going to matter. And so, so your kids... If you decide to have any, won't play in the car park and we can keep them safe. And, and then we thought, you know, we'll have a cafe and all the, all the stuff that you would expect, and, you know, commercial kitchen, we could open that during the week. And then something that we've actually been really passionate about, but we're limited in space here, is we thought, wouldn't it be great to have a sensory room so that, so that people that, that have not been able to go to church for years because they have a child that has autism, that, that they would have a space where they could bring their kids and they could actually engage in church. We thought, man, that would be so good. And we'd have a parent's room and a sleeping room. That's the ground floor. If you go to the next slide. Okay, so it, it's all pretty obvious again, but more kids spaces and, and uh, our office space upstairs and we could hire it. We're thinking that if we do it really well, we could even potentially hire out some of the office space and, and we have other ideas. We might be able to move some businesses in there as well that, that do different things. But really when it comes down to it, this is what we want to do. And we're so excited about it because we believe that although we're comfortable here and, and, and we're so thankful for what God has done, the, the truth is, is that we know we can't stay here and God is calling us out of this place. And so just like Abraham, just like Jesus' disciples, just like Jesus when He left heaven and came to earth, we're happy to get out of the comfort zone and into the growth zone so that God can do everything that He wants to do with this church. And so in the coming months, I'll tell you more about how we're going to get there because it's going to require a lot from us to be able to do it. But we have something really exciting that we want to share with you, a really important first step. We have a great business manager in Zach Hooper. Who loves this guy? Well, we have something really cool that we want to share with you. I'm going to invite Zach to come right now and share a really important first step as we move forwards towards this. So why don't you put your hands together for Zach? Thank you, Pastor Ben. Who's excited about this? Isn't it cool? 
Can you just imagine, do you get the creative juices flowing and just think of what you could do in that space? Just how good it would be to just show this off to your friends and family and just be like, guys, come check out what church looks like. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, it's a big journey ahead of us. But as Ben said, as Bright Church, we're heading into the growth zone. So you guys with us on this? You guys with us? We're going into the growth zone. And um, what we're about to talk about, what the first step that I'm going to talk about, including this building... You know, it's not just up to the board, even though they endorse everything that has been mentioned today and they're so on board, but it's, and it's not just up to the leadership team or the eldership team, it's going to require the entire church, okay? So it's not someone else's job and it's not just because they have a position or they have a particular role. We really need everybody's help. And so um, we're really excited about this future for our church and what it's going to mean and the impact that we're going to have. And um, I, I just get giddy just thinking about it. So the first step, all right? So we're going to share, as Ben said, we're going to share more about what you guys can do um, to get involved in this. But we have also already made some plans. But this first step is really important. Over the last couple of months, I've been connecting and we've been connecting with a number of people in, in certain industries and in certain areas because if you've been a part of Bright Church for a little while, you, you know that one of the things that we want to do is help um, start businesses and run businesses that will help generate income and finances to, to build this building and to further the kingdom of God through the church and also for um, community engagement and outreach. But we're really excited to announce that in the next couple of months, we will be starting our very own Bright Church Op Shop. Our Bright Church Op Shop. So just to give you an idea of what we're looking at, we haven't got this space yet, but we've done a lot of research, and this is the type of facility that we'll look at. Um, we're looking at something that is about right where we're at, something in an area that is very close to us, so we can easily point people to church from this place. Do we have pictures, boys? Give me, give me a wave. We've got them. Something that faces the road, something that's shop front, something that, you know, there's constant foot traffic that's going in and out. And it's, it's a space that we could deck it out the way that we would like it. Um, into, inside will be uh, in a particular place. You guys got the next slide? Next one? Yep. Just something like that. And we really believe that this is probably at the right stage of where we are as a church. And so there's a couple of things that I really want to highlight to you as those pictures are going through through that we really think that this is a really good idea point number one is not only and it's obvious already but this is a really really strong income generator okay it's going to be predominantly income run it's going to um, be graced um, and a lot of this is going to be supported by our church and uh, one thing I've noticed is as a church we've got a lot of teachers hands up if you're a teacher right there's so many hands in this place so we really, when we started looking at business and stuff, we want to look in areas where we're graced as a church and we've got a lot of teachers. And one thing that teachers get all the time is a lot of unwanted gifts. Can I get an amen from the teachers? That's right. A lot of unwanted gifts. And so these gifts are in good quality and they are valuable to people, but maybe not necessarily to that teacher. And so that is an excellent example of something that that teacher could just donate to our op shop. It's in great quality, great condition, and we reckon it will add value. So it will generate income for us. Another thing which I'm really excited about is it's an excellent opportunity to engage with our community. Okay, This is going to be an off-site location where we'll be able to run very real ministry, and it's going to have our very own people, bright people, running this shop 
that the community is going to be able to engage with. And so how many know that sometimes it might be hard to get someone into church, but the type of people that we'll be attracting into an op shop, you can have these conversations. Uh, We'll be able to set it up in such a way where we'll be able to run like a cap money course. Just imagine with me for this. If you've got someone coming into the op shop, and they're, and they're struggling financially and they're trying to support their family so they might be going to the op shop to get something on the cheap. Not uncommon. And as they have a discussion with our bright staff, they'll be able to, the bright staff will be like, hey, if you're struggling in this area, next week we've got a cap money course to educate you and equip you to help you get over that financial burden. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that a good idea? And so we're going to be able to do other things in this offsite. We'll run things like Alpha. And, uh, we'll, and we'll eventually, what we would like to do is run a food bank out of this. Because a lot of sites like this, there's freedom to do things like that. And so we're really excited about that. And the third thing I wanted to highlight to you guys is we're ready. We're actually ready for this. We have costed up this for a whole year. And right now, I'm happy to announce that we have managed to save an entire year of costs to run this shop. So as Bright Church, we're ready, okay? So we're going to give this a red hot go for one year and we need everybody to get involved. And right now we've been connecting with many, many people that you guys would be familiar with. We've connected with Teen Challenge who do this all the time and in many, many locations. They've been mentoring us through this process. Other places that you guys might be familiar with, the Salvation Army, we've connected with them to help get their understanding of what they do. Many, many churches do this as well and we've connected with them and they've given us excellent models that will be sufficient and that will work. And so we've been making sure that we've been filling our heads with everything to make sure this works, okay? But what's really good about this, it's not just up to the person who's opening the shop on that day. It's up to all of us to make this happen, okay? So we can all supply goods, we can all volunteer our time, and we can really, really do this. Are you guys excited about this? Yeah? Now, I have a half step before we get to this, okay? So the op shop is the big reveal, but we're going to do something that's pretty cool that's going to set us up really well. It's going to start the race really well, okay? So on the 30th of May... It's really important you get this. On the 30th of May, we'll be holding the most epic, single biggest, grandiose garage sale Juan Turner has ever seen. Okay? It's going to put us on the map. That's how big this is. It's going to be shining a light and people will see it from the CBD. Maybe I'm just dreaming a little bit too big there. But I'm really believing that this epic event will attract uh, the attention of our community. And anything we don't sell on that day, we'll just put it into the op shop. So what we need to do as a church is all those gifts that you haven't unopened or haven't opened yet or unwrapped, all those things that are really, really good condition and still work and they're clean, not old undies, fellas, (laughs) that are clean and potentially haven't been used. We're going to give you um, more information about this later, but you're going to bring them along to our grandiose garage sale okay so stay tuned there's going to be an email coming out in the next couple of weeks about that but on the 30th of may that's a saturday we're going to be running this garage sale and that's going to set us up for success for the op shop does that make sense you can see we've really thought about this right we're really excited and um actually i've got uh keith who sits on our board i wonder if i can get you up keith keith's just going to pray over this vision he's going to pray over the building and the op shop Keith has been on the board of Bright Church for many, many, many years. He used to be the treasurer. 
And now I'm the treasurer. So he has just imparted that wisdom. Well, I can't take it all. Can you give it all to me? Okay. <laughs> but he is uh, part of the board and he's really on board for this, on board for this vision of the church. And I wonder if we can all just, you know, um, take a moment just to pray with Keith as he prays. Yeah, what a great vision it is. And as uh, we've heard from Pastor Ben and from Zach, this is not something that the board's going to do or the leadership's going to do, but as a church, we need to get behind it. So here's your first opportunity to get behind it. As I pray, I want you to pray with me. I don't want this to be something I'm doing. This is something we need to pray for as a church. So maybe you'll join in prayer and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are our Lord and Saviour and we acknowledge you as sovereign of all uh, in, in the world. But God, we're also very mindful that there are people within the sound of this building, within our families, within our workplaces, within our schools that don't know you. And God, we know that as a church, you have put us here for this moment. That we are here, that we want to be your light on a hill. We want to lead the change in this community. And as we step out uh, into this vision, as we start to put the, pull the things together, Father God, we just pray that you will bless it, that you will continue to give us uh, your insights and your strategies. And above all, that you will just bless it and give us the... Uh, the contacts that we need, the resources that we need. We just pray, Father, that you'll continue to give us those. We thank you for the journey thus far. But as we've been saying today, Father God, there is so much more and we are on board for that. We just pray that as this vision rolls out, that as we start to work towards it, Father God, that it brings uh, glory and honour to your name. Yes, but also, more, or just as important, Father God, that it brings people into your kingdom. Yes, we just don't want to see one or two people. We want to see hundreds of people touched by this vision. And so, Father God, we just need your guidance and your help uh, as we journey down this. And we'll get on board with it and that we'll get behind it. And Father God, we just want your heart for the lost tonight and so we just uh, pray that you will watch over it that you will fill us with enthusiasm and that this will be what we think and we breathe and we live every moment of our day wherever we're found and we pray these things in Jesus name amen, amen. amen. so good yeah it's good God gets all the glory I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Ben just to finish up awesome how good was that hey why don't you guys stand to your feet Man, I, I tell you that, you know, what we're talking about here, it's, there's no doubt about it, it's new ground. I mean, this is something that we haven't done before, but, but I'm so excited about it because I know that God is calling us to it and we know that God is in this. And so we've been able to find so many great people that were so willing to help us as we take this journey. And we don't expect this to take just, you know, 12 months. This is maybe three to five years to be able to do what we're talking about. But I think it's incredibly important that we start now. I don't know if you've looked at how much this nation has changed politically in just the last five years. But I tell you that, that there's more change that's coming. I don't know where it's going to be in another five years. But I get this sense that for some people that it's or for some churches it's going to be difficult to find space and, and territory and 
and, and to take new ground. But one thing that we absolutely know is that the gates of hell will never prevail against God building His church. We know that God is in this. We know that He's part of it. To do what we're talking about, there's no doubt about it. It comes with great sacrifice. And I'll never get to the end of my life and say, I wish I had spent my time, my talent, my treasure somewhere else because nothing, nothing is more important than reaching people that are far from God. If, you, if you're new to church and you, you don't normally come here and you think, hey, why, why, why would people be so excited about building a church? Why would people be excited knowing that it's going to require sacrifice? I'll tell you why. It's because of people like you. People that are far from Jesus. People that have no idea that if they were to die today, would they, would they go to heaven? Would they live and have eternal life? I, I know that every single person that's in this room tonight is excited as I am because we believe that God is going to reach so many people through this church. We are His hands, we are His feet. And uh, why don't we do this for just a moment? Why don't you close your eyes? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.